A tragic accident has left the young woman without a face. While she's forced to wear a blank, expressionless mask, her brilliant surgeon father begins hunting other young women with the hopes of removing their faces to make his daughter the perfect replacement face. In a highly divisive and somewhat repulsive horror film of its time, 1960s Eyes Without a Face. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. I'm joined today by the only member of this team who revels in tackling a French New Wave horror film that does not consider itself a part of the French New Wave. Welcome back yeah. to the Filmgasm podcast, Austin. Yeah, it's been a while. Last one I was on, I think, was Thief, uh, Michael Mann's Thief from 1981. So feels like I only come in when uh, it's something right up my alley. <laughs> when, yeah, there's certain films that, like, I know Caleb's not going to like it. I know Colton's not going to like it. Josh is gone for the moment. I need Austin. I feel like Josh probably does like this movie a lot. This is uh this is this definitely combines some of his favorite things. So I feel like he probably digs it. We have done so many of his favorite movies while he's been gone. It's really, really hurting him. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna get back and be like, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he get he sent me like he sent Caleb a list of like these are the movies I want to do when I come back. And it was like just banger after banger after banger. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah makes sense all right so before we get started on eyes without a face i have three updates on the rewind this first one updates one of our early episodes on the omen uh the long mm. rated yeah i know I, I always love finding out new shit about the omen yeah <laughs> the long-awaited prequel to the horror classic is finally ramping up production it's titled the first omen creative and has just cast Nell Tiger-Free in an undisclosed role. She is known for her role as Marcella Baratheon on Game of Thrones, one of the incest kids. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, not very flattering, but, you know, that's what happened. <laughs> that's, 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 that was her role on the show. <laughs> um, Legion and Channel Zero director Arkasha Stevenson is writing and directing. Plot is undisclosed as of now. It's really early, so there's no release info, but they've been trying to get this movie off the ground for quite some time. The Omen is, you know, an IP that hasn't really gotten a lot of attention in a long time since that Damien show was canceled. So here's hoping. I mean, the first one was a fucking masterpiece. So good luck recapturing that magic. But, you know, I'm willing to see someone try. Yeah, me too. Um, I, Yeah, I obviously huge fan of that one as well. Uh, then, you know, the, the 2000s one just kind of came and went and happened. So it would be nice to kind of get that taste out of our mouths and have a proper you know maybe it could be like what happened with halloween with these new david gordon green halloween movies maybe they'll like actually do something neat and give it new life i'm I'm cool with that because i don't think a lot of young people like really dig the omen from 76 i think it's like one of those if you know you know um certainly people who are like around at that time are like yeah that was like one of the better horror films of the 70s but it would be cool to kind of give it a new new fan club you know new blood well, The Omen definitely requires a certain amount of patience, a certain amount of appreciation. It's not just, you know, all in your face. It's really like you got to imagine quite a lot of the fear. Yeah. And that's that, you don't see that a lot these days. These days, a lot of horror is just like, you know, if I don't see guts in my face in five minutes, I'm walking out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally true. And uh, I'm somewhere in between. 
you know, I, I'm okay with things flying in my face, but I'm also, I like methodical, methodical stories. Yeah. I just want a good movie. That's at the end of the day. That's, that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Do, do it well. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, didn't expect to hear about this. This one updates our episode on the 2014 ghost movie last shift, a movie I never thought I'd ever be talking about again. Uh, one of our random picks I did with Josh and we were both kind of like, yeah, all right. So that doesn't make for a great episode. <laughs> we're both just like, it was okay. And you yeah, got to stretch yeah. that into an hour. <laughs> you didn't hate it, but you didn't love it. So it just was there. The last shift. Yeah. And apparently there, there's a remake of the movie in the works from the film's creator, Anthony de Blasi, who is once again writing and directing. So he's remaking his own movie. Even he was like, it was all right. <laughs> Wait, and this movie from 2014? Yeah, it's not... It has not even been ten years. Yeah, what the fuck? That yeah, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> like maybe, maybe wait, maybe wait at least two years. So yeah, you get the full decade, you know, under your belt. Yeah, and like who's who's asking for this? <laughs> Literally nobody. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, split actor Jessica Sula will star. I think she played one of the girls who got eaten by the beast. Okay. And the film is set for a 2023 release, so this is happening quickly. Yeah, so they're they're going for nine years in between the the original and the remake. Yeah, good. The original Can't wait from 2014, the, the <laughs> ghost movie that like eight people saw. <laughs> two of them, two of them being you and Josh. <laughs> yeah, I I never thought that movie would come back into my life again, but I guess you know what? I got to do an anniversary episode now. Yeah. Oh boy, buckle up. Um, and this next one's really cool. This one updates our episode on the 2007 Halloween anthology flick Trick or Treat. Mm. Love that movie. The cult favorite horror movie that never got its day in theaters is finally getting a theatrical release for this Halloween season. Uh, Trick or Treat will be playing in select theaters around the country starting on Thursday, October 6th. I looked and saw that it is playing near me, so I will definitely be going to see this on the big screen. I'm so glad that this movie is finally getting a chance to be shown theatrically. Yeah, that's fantastic. I had no idea. No, that's that's the coolest news uh, uh, that, that I of those three. You know, it's exciting. Yeah, Omen prequel, Flash Shift remake, Trick or Treat's coming back to theaters. Yeah, that's definitely the winner. Trick or Treat coming back to theaters. It's you know you know you know what you're gonna get. You know it's not gonna fuck anything up. You know it's just cool that it's getting a new life. That's great. Well, I'm hoping it makes a significant amount of money so that interest in a sequel is finally renewed because I know Michael Doherty's been trying to do that for a long time. Yeah, I've always thought Trigger Treat would be, you know, in the right hands. Uh, Doherty could like do his own thing. I've always thought it'd be a great, you know, anthology like a HBO Max series or something like that. You could like really, really dive into it. Give it, you know, give it six or eight episodes. I've, that's what that's just perfect for that. Yeah, it feels like what Halloween season of the witch wanted to be, mm. and you know, kind of the spiritual successor to Carpenter's initial vision. I think that might that might be why I like it so much. Yeah, yeah, I, I dig that one a lot. Uh, that's definitely, I feel like that's a movie that everyone in the film guys kind of agrees on. You know, it's just it's just kind of like one of those random staples that we have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so that's off the rewind. So to start things out, I've got a question. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Over on this show's older brother podcast, Oscar Sunday, We've covered a number of 60s films and a few French films, notably Francois Truffaut's Day for Night and Costa Gavras's Z. Yeah. 
but this is our first foray into French horror. Do you yeah. think, like, as a as a fan of French film, I know that through your you know exploration on the Criterion Channel, you've covered a lot of French films. Uh huh. Do you think that there are specific elements of French filmmaking that lend itself to horror, or make the horror specifically in Eyes Without a Face more shocking or disturbing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, dang, I like that a lot. Uh, when I was when I was watching it. And I was reading about it, uh, like right after I finished it, I, I was—I always do that if I really like something. I really, really like this movie. Um, felt like I should have seen it years ago, type thing. Where it's like, oh, this is perfect. This is right up my alley. There's—it's very eerie to start, and then like the middle of the movie gets really fucking weird and really scary. And from there on out, it's just kind of like a nasty, nasty ride. Um, boy, I like that question a lot though, because I think that generally people people in in western europe were kind of not into this when it first came out that it kind of like was it kind of was a flop type thing uh it took it took different cultures to kind of hit be like hey this is actually really fucking good um definitely you know here in the here in the states and definitely has like a big fan club in in parts of asia japan and china they they embrace this kind of a movie i don't know i think I think I wish I, I wish I had seen more horror films that are French, but most of them seem to be doing something completely different, especially from this time period. Like you said, the French New Wave, guys like Godard and Truffaut are going nowhere near this kind of scary, <laughs> scary shit. Well, I also think that, you know, any horror films coming out of Europe post-World War II are going to be influenced by the chaos and destruction of World War II. Yeah. So there's a sense of evil and monstrous human humanity and just nastiness that you never saw in film prior to that, because we didn't know that people were capable of that. Ah, great. That's a great point. And it, it, you know, continues to escalate as we, as we like realized how many, I I realized, of course, you know, like you said, World War II, but even, you know, uh, it's easy to make a movie, um, like like the the new one, Black Phone. It's easy to make a movie like that. A guy who who steals kids and like kills them, because like that's been happening for decades now. Now we have documentation of it, and you're able to kind of like, okay, well this this happened or this happens. Yeah, and so it's it can become a part of the genre that we both love, which is really scary, but that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, horror comes from you know nightmares, but also from reality sometimes. I, yeah. I always like to see like the difference between the European boom in film post-World War II and the American, because the American boom in film is very much like a boom in patriotism, very much a lot of cowboy movies, a lot of war. Yeah. We did it. We beat them. But in Europe, it's picking up the pieces and yeah. Yeah. Like, sh- showcasing the monstrous side of people. Like Eyes Without a Face reminded me so much of Joseph Mengele. Just yeah. Yeah. the monsters of of the camps and the unnecessary psychotic surgery they were doing on Jewish people. I wonder if this movie, because it was based on a novel that came out in 59. I, I got to think some of that inspired the idea of a guy literally kidnapping women and carving off their faces. God. Yeah. That scene, man was like, <laughs> fucked me up. I, I loved, I loved it though. I couldn't, I couldn't look away watching that, that scene when he's like pencil. Scuffle. Yeah. <laughs> just I kept, I kept thinking like he's he's not gonna like we're not gonna see this. No, there's no way. And then we get yeah. to the door and I'm like, holy shit, we're gonna see this. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I remember I texted you just kind of like, man, what a cool um, 1960 kind of double feature with Psycho because Psycho is operating under completely different rules of you can't show certain things. So you have the great, the great shower scene. This movie was like, we don't give a fuck. Like we're going to show you like right here, right in front of your face. You're going to watch this lady's face come off, you know? And it was frightening. It was the, the black and white, the blood just, just oozing out like really thick was, was like super effective. Yeah. I kept thinking like, what, where was this? Like, why can you imagine if, the American sensibilities were as unrestrained as the European sensibilities during the evolution of film. The insane shit we would have gotten in the 20th century. Ugh, it's, it's like we're wearing a fucking, you know, like car boot on our culture. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and a lot, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff like, and stuff that I like, I'm, I don't want to just shit on it, but like from here to eternity, it's just like your typical post world war two, like, this is how we're going to figure things out. It does. It's not until the late sixties or seventies post French new wave that we over here are like, Hey, let's, let's have, let's have fun now, you know, and let's like do weird, weird stuff. And now where we're at. And I, I couldn't be more grateful for like this period of filmmaking. Cause, cause not just, you know, not just the French new wave, but like this movie um, I recently watched when we did woman in the dunes on Oscar Sunday, I watched a movie called the face of another uh, also by Hiroshi Teshigahara and it's so similar to Eyes Without a Face and that's 1960 to 1966 you know French and, and Japanese like and they're they're totally like holding each other's hands and it's really cool um, really really cool and it, it, it makes me want to watch more genre stuff because I've, I've kind of watched a lot of French stuff but I've kind of watched what I'm supposed to if that makes sense like I didn't go to school for, for, for movies or for film. So I'm kind of doing, I've been doing that the past few years on my own, trying to like knock off, you know, the, you know, contempt and a woman is a woman, Le Petit Soldat and Breathless, you know, those Godard movies and Truffaut, like I didn't have a chance to get exposed to those properly. So I had to like do it myself. And now I'm at the stage where I'm pretty comfortable and I found what I like. And I want to watch more weird shit from that from that era. Yeah, you did it the Tarantino way. You didn't go to film school. You went to films. Yeah, That's- yeah. I also dropped out of high school. <laughs> That's, yeah, I think, you know, finding it on your own, there's something special to that. There's not some teacher telling you, like, this is the movie you need to watch to understand all of this. Well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have liked it. If I were 18 and someone's like, here's contempt, I would have been like, this is boring and dumb. But because I kind of found it on my own, I do like it. I have found like a found a niche or whatever. And I still just a couple nights ago, I watched The Gleaners and I, a Agnes Varda movie. Uh, she's she's one of the greatest French speaking contributors to film of all time. And that documentary blew my mind, you know, and so like I'm always now I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm I've kind of done the beginner thing. I want to I want to go ahead and like dive in. And Eyes Without a Face is, is perfect for that. Yeah, good timing on all of this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> worked out. Yeah, worked out great. I haven't seen a lot of French film. Uh, what I've most of what I've seen has come mostly because of you and Oscar Sunday. Um, but there is this, you know, this sur- surrealness about French film that I think lends itself to horror in a very unique way. For sure. And I think there's some like something about Eyes Without a Face with those kind of French film techniques. It makes it feel like a waking nightmare. 
And yeah, that's a really cool vibe that I want to see more of. And the the my favorite thing about this era, <clears throat> these guys, is the the pace, like the sheer pace of these movies. And Eyes Without a Face, is, it's an hour and a half. And it's before you know it, you're like, holy shit, it's over. And like the ending is so cool, you know? And you're you're just kind of you're you're not uh what's the word? It doesn't like weigh on you. You, you like you watch the movie, and I think a lot of a lot of these these guys the uh, of this this era are very much like let's just make a bunch of movies, and they don't have to be these long drawn out fucking you know Ben Hur like whoa like th- that kind of stuff you know like it's very much its own its own pace they don't waste a lot of time like there's not a lot of shots of mountains you know and like look at the look at the American flag or something like that you know it's very very choppy, very pacey, and like, just get to the next scene, get to the next scene. And I, I love that about it. Well, I think a lot of that is, it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, you finding these films on their own. These guys didn't, a lot of these guys didn't go to film school either. They picked yeah. it up on, as they went along. They saw movies they liked. They took techniques that they figured, I could probably do that. Like, I know um, Jean-Luc Godard just, like, put up a camera in a French street to film Breathless. Like, he didn't have permits. He didn't have a cinematographer. He's just like, let's shoot Correct. this. And, you know, when you do that, you're not going to have a lot of time to shoot mountains. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's action. Yeah. It's like people, people crossing the street is like more interesting. Get from point A to point B. And I, I, I love both. You know, I love, I love drawn out shit. That's like really long and like rewards you for like sticking with it. But I also, I, I do love like this kind of just seamless, just bam, 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 bam. Like, let's get to it. Like one of my favorite examples of that is, is Cleo from five to seven Agnes Varda's movie. It's an hour and a half, and it literally takes you from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Like, bam, 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 bam. So you're seeing, like, a, a, a window in someone's life, like an important window, but it goes, it moves like like nobody's business, you know? And I, I love that movie, too, and it's just cool because I'm not, I'm not used to seeing that with what I grew up watching. <laughs> it's just not the same. In my sophomore or junior year of college, I took an honors European film course and I neglected the shit out of it. I didn't care. There was no, like, there wasn't any tracking of the movies. I didn't have to write any essays about the movie. So I was just like, well, why, why should I watch anything? And I didn't, man. And I regret man. that so much. I, well, well, okay. So that's, that's, I mean, sure. That's like, how old were you? Uh, that was, I was like 19, 20. Okay, so so and you're saying there was no track, like no one was like, all right, let's like like document what you're doing. No, we would like have like a conversation the next class, but you didn't have to talk if you didn't want to. He didn't have like there was no pop quiz or anything. There was no way to tell whether or not you watched the movie unless you wanted to contribute to the conversation. And then the first movie we watched was Breathless, and I was like, This is what it's gonna be. <laughs> I Yeah, yeah. I remember specifically not watching Cleo from five to seven. That was on our list, and I was like, "This sounds boring. I'm not going to watch this." Yeah, yeah that's I, crazy. I regret it's that so, so much. Yeah, well, I would have done the same thing at, at 19. I was like, "I want to watch The Town and Shutter Island, and you know, like you know, shit that I know that I'm like aware of. You know, I want I want to watch Scorsese movies and and Tarantino. You know, I wasn't like, yeah. I wasn't ever at that age. Like, hmm, I wonder what these guys were doing over here. Uh, that's come now more in my life and just a curiosity and, and kind of a, uh, the document, the documenting thing is huge for me. 
with Letterboxd and with, you know, being able to write reviews on Filmgasm and talk about them on the podcast is like, there's a reason to like put them in my bag and like put that knowledge there. And along the way, you find things you, you actually connect with. And that's like the whole point for me is, you know, is like learning and also bringing something to a conversation. Oh, I agree entirely. Without this podcast, there's hundreds of movies I never would have watched. Mm-hmm. And now I, I have them in just, you know, in here, ready to bring them out in case of emergency. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's like one of my favorite things. And I also love when people ask you, like, have you seen this? And you're like, I just watched it last week, you know, or like it just it just happened, actually. And yeah. I love that feeling because this this movie, Eyes Without a Face, um, I have a friend, her name's Jackie. She asked me, she messaged me and was like, hey, have you seen Eyes Without a Face? I know like you're into into like that that kind of older horror stuff and i was like actually i've heard of it but i've never actually seen it and i was like but i am doing it on a podcast soon she's oh you're gonna love it she was right shout out to jackie good job (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome that was a fun conversation i'm glad yeah good question yeah yeah i love it i um criterion has has completely changed my life and uh it's only been around for a few years and I'm like so grateful that I've, I've been on, been on the train pretty much the entire time. It's been a streaming service. And every time that $11 goes out of my bank account, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I get, I get, I get so much use out of it every month. So much. Like I, I watched on average, probably 10 to 12 movies on that service only per month. And that's well worth it. About a dollar per movie. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't have that channel, you'd have to buy those movies individually, and that's 20, 30 bucks a pop every time. So, yeah, you're getting your money's worth. Correct, yeah. And I do love buying those, right? They're real pretty, the Criterion editions. Uh, the Criterion of Eyes Without a Face is gorgeous. Um, and I, of course, want to own them, but yeah, I mean, 35 bucks is is steep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a, you know, occasional treat kind of thing. But with the channel, you have just so many more opportunities to watch these. Yeah, they're just they're just they're just there. It's crazy. I I I'm just I'm in the middle of watching um a movie from Taiwan, a Taiwanese movie called Yi Yi that I've never seen from 2000. Um, uh, and like I I'm like halfway through, and I'm like, oh my god, this is one of the, one of the cooler movies I've watched the past couple of weeks. You know, it's like that happens over and over. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I love that. Uh. All right, with that, let's talk about the production of Eyes Without a Face. How did this thing come about? Yes. It was based on the novel of the same name by Jean Redon, which was first published in 1959. And I can find absolutely no more information on this novel. It is wildly out of print. Uh, That sucks. At least in the United States. I I think you can get some French copies, but I'm not going to learn how to speak and read French just so I can read this. Yeah, no, me neither. But I, I would love to to see what this book's about, see how close it is. Cause this is just a really, really intense and intriguing story. It was wild. How like, I had to, it, IMDB is the only place it had the published year of the book. I couldn't find anything. It's, it's weird. weird. Uh, also every Google search keeps, it kept bringing me to Billy Idol's 1983 hit single eyes without a face, which was featured on his album rebel yell. So that's no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when you type in, Eyes without a face, like that's 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 what comes up first. <laughs> and that song was inspired by this movie. It's the the amount of 
pop culture that was that was influenced by Eyes Without a Face is quite staggering. We're going to talk about that towards the end of this segment, but it's just wild what wouldn't be without this. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about it is is it's it's like it's still cool. The movie is like exclusive in a way that. And I, I hate to just compare it to Psycho, but that's like such an easy because they came out around the same time. Psycho is like referenced nonstop, almost too much. It's like it's almost like when a song on the radio just keeps playing and keeps playing, and you're like, I get it, it's good, but I love Psycho to death. But this movie is like the cool one that's not on the radio, but people still love it, you know, and people will still reference it in their songs or TV shows or movies or whatever. And it's kind of like for the people. And I, I really like that about it. That's a nice analogy. I like that too. Eyes Without a Face was one of the first French horror movies, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. And it was the brainchild of producer Jules Borcon, who bought the rights to the novel and offered the directing gig to Georges Franjou, one of the founders of Cinématique Francais, a French nonprofit film archive established in 1936 in an effort to protect French film from the invading Nazis during World War II, who were trying to burn every piece of art made prior to the establishment of the Nazi party. And these guys dedicated themselves to saving as much French film as they could, which is admirable. (laughs) Extremely. There should be a movie about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. So Franju didn't see the film as a horror movie. He saw this as a story of human anguish. So he played up that angle. Uh, His biggest problem was getting the film past European censors who weren't yeah. quite as puritanical as the American Film Production Code, but they still had their own standards. You know, they crossed the entire world in any place that had a, a, a film community. You couldn't really just make whatever you wanted to make. There, 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 were, there were guidelines. Yeah, and, and God, it's so fascinating that, like, a group of people would be in a room and be like, no, that, like, people can't see that. Like, there's, there are, there's, a, there's censorship people. They sit in a room and fucking like just roast movies and are are either like yeah this is okay for kids to see or it's not okay Uh, there was a movie called Censor from last year that I really really liked I think it was on Shudder and it was about a girl who worked for like a censorship company it was really really cool it was like a a gritty horror movie and and I I liked that a lot I've I've always been fascinated by like okay so if if you say you and I are, are, are working for a censorship company who censors it from us? <laughs> like, like, cause I mean, it's still going into somebody's brain. And if it goes in my brain, what's worse going into my brain or the person that's going to pay for the movie at the, in the audience. So it's like, well, what are we doing here? Like censorship, such an odd thing with movies. Well, and it never, it's never, you know, uniform. It always depends on the person watching it. You know what I find horrifically offensive. You might not find offensive at all. And if I'm the one screening the movie, I'm going to cut out some stuff that, might not need to be cut out because it dis- I disagree with it. It's, mm. it's crazy. Like that happens all the time. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's just a weird kind of thought process. And I like, I, I like reading about reading about this and that it like, it had to go through certain hoops to get made and get to get to, you know, go out there and be, be seen by people. Yeah. Well, this is what, <laughs> so Borkon, the producer, he urged Nan, uh, Nanju to toe down, tone down the blood because that would upset the French censors. 
leave out the tortured animals because that would upset the English censors and leave out the mad scientist character because that would upset the German censors. <laughs> so basically it was like, you got to cut all this shit because it's not just, you know, one per country. It's all of Europe with diff- it's like a United Nations of censorship. Yes. Yeah. UN, UNC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ironically, all three made it into the movie and are prominently shown. So Anju was like, no. <laughs> or, or there's a version of this movie that's insane. <laughs> that too. There's you know? X-rated eyes without a face out there that just like fuck people up. Yeah, and I'm I'm down. Yeah, because like people, there's a um, uh, He there's like a really cool line that I I found. I was reading about it. Uh, it premiered in when it premiered in Scotland. Did you read about this? In yeah, I've got, that, I've got that coming up. <laughs> about about oh that's why scotsman wears skirts <laughs> god so good i can't, i mean on some level it's like if you've never seen anything like this before and now you're watching it like you know we we saw this when we did night of the living dead a few uh, about a month ago like if this is the first time you're seeing shit like this you're not gonna know how to comprehend it you're gonna probably you're gonna overload yeah yeah it's oh, you know obviously we 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 kind of don't care uh like there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of censorship going on here at film gas and so because we all feel the same way and we're always talking to each other you just forget how many people are out there who are just like just don't do it they're like no i'm good i don't want to watch someone's face get cut off i don't want to watch someone get you know cut down by an axe you know like like there's people who just don't want to do that and it's hard for us to understand because we're always talking to each other and oh, like this is this is like our favorite stuff. And sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, like we probably sound crazy to 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 those kind of people who are just like, no, like I, I have a good friend who I I like really cherish our movie relationship, uh, my buddy Matt, and he like just does not do horror. Like he just is like, no, like, I just can't do it because he's been fucked up a couple times and he doesn't want to do that again. And I get it, but it's just sad, you know, because it's like you're taking away, you're not just taking away a genre, you're taking away a lot of subgenres and, and a lot of like really unique stuff. That's just, you know, it's like, don't, don't you want to get fucked up by horror? Isn't that the goal? Like, you know, I go to drama exactly. to cry, I go to comedy to laugh, I go to horror to get scared. Like, that's, that's why you do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like those emotions, you know. Like I'm I'm like very much okay with it. And I like it. It's like it's like a high. It's like a quick little you watch when you're watching the face get cut off, you're kind of like, mm-hmm. This yeah. is my fill for the this is my fix for the week. Yeah. I had that moment of like I was looking at the TV and I'm just I kept thinking like I kept like getting closer, like zooming in, like there's no way. Like, how are they doing that? Like it became yeah. As soon as the face came off, I'm like, oh, this is not the movie I expected it to be. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, same here. Um, just just brutal, you know. And, and and yeah, there's other stuff later on. I'm sure we'll we'll get to that's great. But that's like that's like the centerpiece of the movie is that operation. And you're like, wow, that's that raises the movie to a, like a whole other rate ranking for me. So all right, so with with Franju and his, you know, no, I'm not censoring this thing and putting all the stuff in the movie. The trick was to change the perspective of the story. The novel is told from the perspective of Dr. Genesee. So it's the scientist's okay. perspective. He changed the film's perspective to the daughter, Christiane. So that makes, makes it feel a lot more sympathetic, makes him look like the bad guy and not the hero, which he very fucking clearly is. 
and it worked. Everyone signed off. Yeah, which is uh, for for movie's sake is like a genius. It's a genius thing to do because for a movie that's so like depraved, you you do the ending is like okay, yeah, like she you know in a way got hers, you know, like she you know she she did did what she had to do right on her way out, and you know you got the nice little fiend at the end of the, at the end of the movie, and you're like hell yeah, good job, you know, and if it were from the other perspective, yeah yeah we we don't we don't probably don't quite have that might be a little might be a little too fucked up yeah i agree so with all that the film was released in 1960 and despite making it through the censors it caused all sorts of controversy uh during the film screening at the edinburgh film festival seven audience members just fainted leading to the fame you know the quote like oh that's why scotsman wears skirts yeah that's (laughs) fucking great ouch (laughs) yeah it's such a that's such a fucking conniving comment, but I, I think it's really funny. If I, I was wonder, Scottish, prob- probably not. I wonder if like Franju and Borkan w- like saw that, saw the fainting, and I wonder if they thought, "Oh, we're we're fucked," or this is going to be amazing. Like, what did they think at that point? Yeah, because there's got to be. I've I've always thought wondered that about, especially about you know 50s, 60s, 70s horror movies. Are they thinking long term? Like, the more fucked up this is, the longer it's going to last, and the more people are going to, the more generations are going to be like, I need to go back and see what what made people faint. Because we're like that. We're definitely like, well, if that made people faint, like I want to, I want, I want to faint, <laughs> <laughs> or I want to, I want to see how far it can push me at least, you know. And I mean, that's why you watch Takashi Miike shit. It's because you're like, how far can I go? with my viewing experience as a horror fan. And I think, I wonder if they were thinking that in their heads, like, are they thinking 30, 40 years down the line of, Oh man, uh, you know, decades are going to go by generations are going to pass, but the people who like it and were freaked out by it are going to pass it down to their kids or, or whatever. And it'll just keep living on. Cause that's what's happened with this movie. It's gained a reputation and people watch it now to see how fucked up it is. And like, that's, that's what's going to happen, you know, 50 years from now, people are going to be like, we're, we're going to be passing down audition 1999 to younger people like, hey, like, see, if, see if you can handle this, you know, and that's cool. There's like, it's, it's messed up. It's deranged, but it's cool. Like, I'm not going to just say that to anybody on the street, but a horror fan, I'm like, you get it. You, you get that, that like a drive that you have to see really wacky, fucked up shit. Yeah. I agree. It reminds me very much of uh, Back to the Future when Marty McFly is playing the school dance and he breaks into some heavy metal riffs and everyone's all freaked out. And he goes, you know, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love, I love thinking that way or if people think that way in the present about, you know, what's to come, you know, because just the movies sometimes take, it takes forever for a movie to, to gain life you know it, it 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 you know john carpenter's career it had to take decades to like for people to really get it and like to really latch on and i like that i think that's kind of like unique i think i think the best filmmakers try to to think in terms of you know decade in terms of legacy but you don't really ever know i mean you don't know if a film's going to be like you know a masterpiece now or a masterpiece 20 30 years from now and you know, the best films are both, but that doesn't always happen. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I think I think there's something cool about you know a movie that like rocks the movie world, and like while it's in theaters and people are like oh my god you have to fucking see this you know, and then it continues to live on forever. Like that's that's really really cool, but very hard to do. You know, uh, like the the movie the like recent movie that comes to mind that initially like the Avatar from 2009, people were like oh my god you have to fucking see this in theaters. So everybody went and saw it. It made ridiculous amounts of money and now some people are like that movie sucks like as time has gone on i'm one of those people i'm not into that movie looks cool sure but like anybody can make something look cool for billions of dollars you know it's not a good movie and that's that's like i i would hate for that to happen if i were making something you know if like didn't have that longevity yeah it's weird because cameron like for literally every other film he's done he's got that longevity Yes. Yeah. I love I love half his shit. And the other half, not for me, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I think of films that like like one that I recently watched was Greece, 1978, which at the time blew people away. It was an instant yeah. classic. People loved it. John Travolta had a film career immediately. I watched it recently. Boring as shit, incredibly misogynistic, horrible movie. And even like my, my family, I watched it with they like several of them were like, "Oh, this this is not what I remember." Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it is weird how sometimes a movie will be you know great now and shit later, and shit now and great later. It's it's, it's weird. It really depends on like the culture of the time. Yeah, I like I like one of my favorite exercises is to to guess like from the past two to three years to guess what is going to last. You know, like which movies are actually going to stick around and like 40 years from now, people are going to be like, yeah, that was like one of the best movies from 2019. You know, I just I, I wonder about that all the time. Yeah, that's what sometimes you can kind of tell, like for sure. We're never going to stop talking about Parasite. Correct. Like, but I think people have already stopped talking about The Irishman. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think like Joker made. 50 times as much money as Parasite, but Parasite will live on forever and Joker will just be like, oh yeah, some, like, most people that I know, that, like, I'm friends with are like, that was, it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't great. I know very few people who are like, oh my god, Joker was just life-changing, you know? Everybody that watches Parasite is like, yeah, 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 I know. I I know a couple, I just don't want to name them. Uh, But Parasite, I've never met anybody who's seen it who isn't like, holy shit, like, that Oscar or not, that was dope. You know, that was that was a really spe- that was a really special movie. Yeah, it was it was neat seeing that before the Oscars and realizing that at the time, like, oh, this is going to be something people are going to remember. Yeah, one of the coolest Oscar ceremonies of all time. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is fun. So, Eyes Without a Face was released in America in 1962. And was, I, okay, I saw that. That yeah. sucks, right? Two years later? Two years later, it was dubbed over, completely re-edited, and released under the title The Horror Chamber of Dr. Faustus. Yeah, good God, what a horrible title. Even overdubbed, there is no character named Dr. Faustus in this movie. <laughs> it's such a weird decision. Yeah, unfortunately, that yeah, it's just not a... The 60s, we, we, we see a lot of stuff being held back you know and it's unfortunate because there's some good quality filmmakers during you know during that that decade that just didn't have the freedom they deserved 
Yeah. Mostly because, you know, if it comes out in America and it doesn't meet our sensibilities, it's going to be chopped into something unrecognizable that's going to be quickly forgotten because everyone's just going to say, oh, that weird Faustus movie was shit. Let's move on. Not realizing what they're missing. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, The face transplant scene is almost completely gone. So, well, it just ruins the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I. I like I, I really like kind of the, the slow burn of it, but like if you don't have that centerpiece, like watching this guy do what he's been doing, you know, we don't know how many women he's done it to. It's such an eerie, creepy, fucked up feeling. And like you have to have it. Have to have that. I, I can't remember many movies that I've seen recently where it's like if you take that out, you take away everything, you know? The dominoes start falling and like it doesn't make any sense. I it, it's so important, so important to the movie. Extremely. And ended up being part of a double billing with a Japanese-American monster movie called Manster. All right. Manster. (laughs) Great title. (laughs) Uh, Both films didn't fare well in America, and the horror chamber of Dr. Faustus quietly left theaters without much attention. So that was the end of Eyes Without a Face in America. It lasted about three weeks. Jesus Christ, you know, if if this movie came out now, you know, like if it, like if it's fucking Jake Gyllenhaal playing playing the Doctor, you know what I mean? Like this this movie would crush. People would love this shit. Yeah. Well, if it comes out in America now, they would just remake it. Like that's that's how it yeah. works now. Foreign horror just gets remade in an American flavor and loses all of it. Yeah, it usually loses its 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 punch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, despite a lukewarm reception upon release in. France and the United States, people never stopped finding this movie. In fact, it, be, it, it might be one of the most influential horror films of all time. For example, John Carpenter cited it as partial inspiration for the blank expressionless look of Michael Myers in Halloween. Yeah. That's beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah I, yeah, I definitely thought that right away when I saw her with the mask on. I was like, ugh, like that. There's, there's, no, there's no wrinkles. There's no, you know, like bone structure it's just just yeah it's just featureless it's so it's creepy. michael myers it's michael it's, myers yeah it's simultaneously life and death on the same face it's really free yeah Ugh. <laughs> and the <laughs> eyes the eyes moving around but nothing else is moving it's just like such a weird feeling yeah the actress who played christian was amazing just acting through her eyes that was well done <laughs> yeah i thought she was super super effective uh and did you realize that um uh, Alita Valley, the, the woman who plays Luis, is the woman from The Third Man. Holy yeah. shit, I did not. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> wait, I know that name. <laughs> we just watched The Third Man like a couple weeks ago. God damn. Yeah. I, I don't plan any of this shit. It, this was a completely random pick from the book. Weird how it syncs up so well with our recent... Uh, yeah, it's it's insane. Her her IMDb is like one of my one of the coolest. Uh, like her known for is the third man, Suspiria, and Eyes Without a Face. It's like, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> she she knew how to pick some scripts. She liked being she, part of Game Changers. Yes, she did. Yes, <laughs> that's the cool. Italian yeah, the Italian actress. Yeah. <laughs> um, another cool influence this film had. Uh, Pedro Almodovar has said his 2011 film, The Skin I Live In was heavily yeah. influenced by Eyes Without a Face, which is pretty obvious if you know what that film's about. Yeah, very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. 
that's that's really neat. Love that. Yeah, these are these are big time big time directors who are paying homage to this film that has just been like get passed down and passed down over and over. Yeah, and of course, John Woo. This film heavily influenced Face Off, nineteen ninety seven. Classic. God, I love Face Off. <laughs> it's ah, the the tendrils this film's reaching out with into every genre is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And there's no. It's it's a game changer because it is it is one of those source movies that it's not pulling from anything else it's its own like original thing from from a novel but as far as movies go i would love to see a movie from the 50s or 40s that's like hold on hold on you know this is really where where it came from because you just never know you know you never know where people get influenced and inspired by yeah totally man in 2004 eyes without a face was selected for the criterion collection spine number 260 the Blu-ray, which is available on Amazon for $26, comes with Georges Franju's 1949 documentary, Blood of the Beasts, which is about the slaughterhouses of Paris. So you get two for one if you buy the Blu-ray. Hell yeah. Yeah. And it's on, it's on the Criterion channel and HBO Max. Like, it's very accessible. Yeah. Thank God. Um, Eyes Without a Face has an IMDb score of 7.6, Rotten Tomatoes score of 98%. Curtis Consensus reads, A horrific tale of guilt and obsession, Eyes Without a Face, is just as chilling and poetic today as it was when it was first released. I agree. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, well said. Um, so, like, what, well, what's your... Obviously, we both were impacted by that, that centerpiece. But as the movie's starting, are you kind of like... like where, where were you at, like, the first 20 minutes or so? I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like... Ugh. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I figured. I figured. Uh, <laughs> I just knew. I knew something crazy was going to happen because it wouldn't be what it is without you know without that. Yeah. So I, I was like, I was like, I'm digging this. I, I liked the the dumping of the body into the water at the very beginning of the movie. That's always like a great way to start a movie. You're like, who's this creepy lady? And that's when I was like, wait, that's the motherfucker from Third Man, you know? <laughs> uh, and she's great. Louise was such a fascinating character and when she the, the whole pearl choker like subplot is so fascinating um i thought it was like a really good touch i thought it was amazing with this doctor like how he's able to do a facial transplant so incredibly seamless it's like that was a little unrealistic because like i've seen real facial transplants and like i'm glad people were able to have that but they never look that incredibly seamless yeah it's it's this would be like the greatest doctor of all time yeah yeah it's worth a few bodies if you can do surgery like this yeah (laughs) i actually i actually thought of the movie uh ex machina a little bit during during this just like someone who's like obsessed with like that craft of like recreating something uh and of course in ex machina we he's like oh i have like you think it's one ai you're like oh no it's like this guy's done a done a few of these you know and then when you have that realization in this movie it's like another twist of like oh oh he's like been doing this like there's like women missing it's like they're all him they're you know it's all because of him uh fucker <laughs> get the right one it's gotta be just right Ugh. um i saw that a face only grossed about sixty thousand dollars total yeah but- yeah sad yeah, but it's gone on to inspire countless filmmakers around the world. It is currently available to stream on HBO Max. So if you want to watch it, you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, again, that, that, fuck that 60,000 bucks. Like, we're, 
60 years later, we're talking about right now. You know what I mean? Like, like people still, people still give a shit. And that's, to me, that's what matters. Like money's going to go away, but like your legacy can live on forever. Yeah. Box office gross means dick. It's all about, you know, what you gather, what you were able to gather from it. Uh, so with that, let's talk some highlights of Eyes Without a Face. Um, right from the get-go, our opening score has this like dark circus vibe that yeah. makes you think like, what, what is this? Like, there's a lot of moments of like, is this like, what, what is this? <laughs> what am I watching here? And which, which is a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's <laughs> just watching Louise. Like the, I love the body in the trench coat. Like I thought it was like some guys asleep or like she's driving her boss home and then she picks him up and dumps him in the, in the lake. It's like, Oh shit, yeah. This is body disposal. <laughs> she looks like she's done it before. Yeah. <laughs> well, she later tells the doctor, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then that is immediately just gone. Like she goes from there to like, right back to murder with no qualms at all. I thought that was kind of funny. Very funny. She's an interesting character study just on someone who does have the new face and she could, she could get her own movie like completely from her perspective, just how fascinating she is and great, great performance. Yeah, for sure. I also love just how cold the doctor is. Like he's got to completely shut himself off in order to do what he's doing. Like, he can't see these women as people or else he's a monster. To him, this is just, you know, test subjects. It's got nothing yeah. to do with, with people. It's got nothing to do with, you know, murder or sexual gratification. It's just, I need the face. Yeah, and, and that's that's the, the mark of someone who, yeah, has more evil in them than we can, we can fathom. And so that's what makes him such a fascinating character. And like you, you want to continue watching him because like how, how much further is he going to go? Uh, I don't agree with this guy, but this is like why you watch, why you watch movies is like for villains like this. Yeah. When he goes to identify the body and lies to them and says it's his daughter. And then the dad of the real victim is like, Hey, like my, my daughter's still missing. Like, can you help me? And he's like, no, I'm grieving in my own way. Leave me alone. Like, and you yeah. know that the doctor, he killed that guy's dog. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. He just and said it, to his face, I don't give a shit. Yeah. What does he say? Like, it's odd for me to comfort you. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a dick. I, I love the, I love when he is confronted by uh, reality. Uh, when like the cops show up and they're like, huh, like, what do you got going on here? You know? And, uh, you know, try, trying to get uh, documentation from certain patients and whatnot. It was like, really interesting to see that doctor get confronted with people who are like, hey, what's going on here? It was a classic, like, thrilling feeling that I got, feeling that I got from watching movies forever. I love that feeling, like, more than most is when, the, like, the jig is up. Like, what's going on here? I love that feeling of, like, these guys know, and you know that they know, and they know that you know, you know, and everybody's just kind of playing a game. I've, I've like always been obsessed with that. I was really drawn in to Louise's like capture plan and how she would vet the victims. Like she just drive around looking for a suitable face. And like, you know, the whole thing, what she does to Edna is so sick and twisted and, inhu and inhuman. Just going up to her in the in the line of the movies and being like, "Hey, I got a ticket. You want to be my friend?" And she's like, "Sure." 
and then just becoming a part of her life to the point where she's willing to trust her to go look at a room at a country house. And that's all it was for. It's so horrible. Like, how do you do that to another human being? How do you just like needle your way into someone's life like that only to just, you know, kill them? Yeah, this is this is where I, I wonder what you'll think about this. Uh, just because we did it again, we did it recently on Oscar Sunday. That's where I started thinking about Get Out a lot while 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 kind of thinking about those themes and those kind of like that kind of context of of, of like this isn't a one time thing. This is a this is like a practice. This is like a this is a game to them, you know. And I just thought, like, man, I I wonder if Jordan Peele like saw this and was like, I can take that to a weirder place. Yeah, one hundred percent, he did. I mean, he, you know, we've seen with his three films thus far, we've seen just he is influenced by so much. He holds horror as sacred. So I'm sure yeah. this has been on in his mind for quite some time. I wouldn't be surprised if that aspect of Get Out came out of this. Yeah, just the the operation. Like, it's like, a, like there he's a doctor, you know, like the, the father is, is the doctor in the same way that this, this guy's a doctor uh, in Eyes Without a Face. So it's like an interesting just. I don't think people have talked about that, you know, like it's not, it's not on the nose. So people haven't been like, but, but I was like, I mean, he's, he's cutting people's heads open and changing their brains, you know, this might be reaching, but also like Steven Root is after Daniel Kaluuya's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they made Steven Root a blind guy and I feel like that was intentional. <laughs> That's neat. Uh, I love yeah. movies. Yeah. Just for the moment she, you know, gets the chloroform in her face and then passes out and they just go, you know, pick her up and drag her to the secret lab. You're, I just couldn't. I was I was so heartbroken for Edna. All she wanted was a place to stay. Like she thought she had a new friend. Edna. Oh, boy. And when Edna tries to escape. You know, hits hits on the top of the head. Bang. And it's like running away oh boy that was that was an intense scene too that gave me that gave me like the that like boom 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 my heart could stop beating you know a roller coaster i want to end with her leaping out the fucking window that was that was like brutal and that reminded me of uh that reminded me of a scene in the lobster um um someone jumps out of the window and like you know like one of those like smacks and i was like oh man i, I i've always thought that's like such a I mean, it's, it's terrible, but like, it's such a visually stunning way to to like use that for a character is is like, you know, you know, suicide is one thing, but like jumping out of a window and like that, like a body just hitting the ground is such like a gruesome image that like always sticks with me. So I was that that scene was like super impactful for me. I was like, God damn, that was my heart was pounding <laughs> during during that. When the movie kind of lets you make up your own decision about whether or not that was suicide or it was an correct accident. yeah yeah like yeah you're you're like no she she fucked up she tripped <laughs> you know she was trying to get away it's like she happened to go through a window and she didn't know how high up it was i don't know it sucks uh <laughs> yeah at that point you're thinking like they're gonna get away with this <laughs> yeah you are it's especially since in the next scene you see christian with edna's fucking face oh god yeah like they're just like oh makes our life easier she just killed herself you know like that's how they're thinking about it it's really 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 sad and they hide the body in the mausoleum which i thought was brilliant that is a brilliant place to 
hide a body. Mm. Yeah, I I thought about that too. I was like, man, if I ever need tips, uh, <laughs> if I'm ever going to go down this this path, I've seen enough movies now to like you know have a good a good sense of what would work and what wouldn't. <laughs> I've thought about that too. Uh, I'm thinking like you know movie movie buffs have got like they are probably really good at getting away with murder. Like if they yeah. had to, they could cover that shit up so easily. Yeah, nerds, film nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the guys you gotta look out for. <laughs> God damn it. Uh it's funny. Um the idea of the skin not accepting the don't like the donor and like rotting off was so vicious and grisly. Dude, that After was all really of that, cool. it doesn't even fucking work. Yeah, like it, it I, I liked when it showed her and you had the narration in the background and it was like it was just like a still shot of her as it aged and it just looked more and more fucked up <laughs> and scary and the eyes were like so just done, like fed up. Just she's like, I don't even care anymore, you know? And like this is this is getting absurd. I I don't have my own face. I can't, you know, you can't you can't you can't do this. Like you can't fuck with science this way. And like it was such an interesting I loved that bit, you know. I love that bit of the movie. Well, I love when she has Edna's face and she's still not happy because she tells her dot her dad, like, I look like somebody who kind of looks like me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's done. She's like, fuck this, dad. <laughs> she has no sense of identity and she's just bogged down by the weight of her father's crimes because he's clearly not. Someone's got to take on this guilt. Insane. Insane. Oh. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about the face, the face removal surgery scene because hot damn. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's shown in, in grisly detail. You see everything, which is remarkable for a film from 1960. Uh, and it's just, you know, I keep thinking, like, is she going to wake up? Or like, is she gonna, you know, is somebody gonna stop this? But no, he, you know, he slices around the whole face, around the eyes. You've got the like thick blood, probably of chocolate syrup or something, around her face. And then like the the forceps on all sides, like it was so meticulous. And and what like the creepiest parts to me, obviously, like the actual the actual act was was fucked up. But when he's like asking asking louise to like wipe his brow because he's sweating like this is just this is like a, a psychopath like he this guy's a freak and yeah. he's just doing the, he's doing this as if he's like saving somebody's life that she thinks he might be doing you know in some weird fucked up way but i was just like the, the like it's just he's just a normal surgeon here like that's how he's treating it you know and the scissors kind of being all around were like was so creepy and like propping the skin up, I was like, "Oh my god, it it, it fucked me up, man." I, I I definitely have been thinking about it all day. Well, like those little moments where they put the scissors in and you'd see the skin like flip yeah. up a little bit. I was like, "What the oh. fuck? How did they do this?" I was like, "I'm not gonna eat for like three days." Yeah, this is taking my appetite. <laughs> and then they just peel it off, and she you just see her bloody muscles underneath. And I was like, "No wonder people freak the fuck out in Scotland." <laughs> yeah i can't blame the scots scots for that uh it's it's messed up it's completely bonkers and again 60 years ago you know you gotta put yourself in those shoes you know, you're just like just a normal scotsman who's like yeah i just 
you know, I just watched my Celtic football club get a win. And then you go see this movie and you're like, Oh my God, I, <laughs> I don't ever want to watch movies again. You know, I, I, I would get that. I, I understand that to an extent. I still think the skirt comment is funny, but like, I, I would get it. I would understand if people were like disgusted. Yeah. It's the same people who, you know, when the exorcist came out, were like, Holy shit, this movie's possessed because that was new to them. That was a, yeah. a level of fear that had not yet been on film. It's you got to take that into account with these movies, you know. It's at the time like this was the scariest movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Like, like I've always wanted to make a tree of the scariest movie, like a a, a movie tree, and it's like being like, once the torch is passed, you know, like like what movies actually can have an argument for being one of the creepiest or scariest movies ever. You know, I, I think for most people, it's kind of up to like what they are freaked out by. But I do think there are movies like this that kind of no matter what, you're going to be like, oh, Jesus, you know, this is this is this is fucked up. This is evil. And I, I like I like that. I feel like there's like a couple every decade that are like they're kind of like sacred to horror fans. You know, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 6th and tomorrow on Shutter. They're premiering a uh, 101 Scariest Movie Moments miniseries. Oh, Christ. It's going to be an eight-part series over the next eight weeks, and I am so psyched because it's a you know a spiritual sequel to Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments that I love. I've been waiting for a new one of these for since 2004, and we're getting one, and it's you know curated by Shudder. It goes you know from all of cinema, cinematic history. It's got interviews with notable horror people. Definitely worth checking out. I recommend looking at that. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I'm definitely gonna need to do that because uh, yeah, the Bravo thing is cool, but Shutter, like <laughs> that's 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 really cool that they're taking that on. You know, uh, I'll I'll keep my eye out for that for sure. It'll be nice to watch that without having uh, pop ups for you know, Real Housewives of whatever the fuck coming up <laughs> like randomly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's a great point. Uh, so the cops make a deal with this shoplifter lady, which is hilarious and incredibly thoughtless. <laughs> Just be like, "Hey, go see what's going on with this guy, and if he kidnaps you, we'll know he's the bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> Great Hopefully, plan. we yeah. get there before the surgery starts. <laughs> oh God, Christ! And they don't, <laughs> but Christian has a change of heart. Kills Louise with a scalpel of the heart. Love that. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. And then lets the girl go and just goes and sets the test animals free. And the dogs maul dad to death. Yeah, I thought that was great, too. Yeah, he's got all these animals that are, like, locked away. Like they're hyenas or something. And then they're like, okay, we'll become hyenas for you. You know, if, you, if that's what you want, we'll, we'll rip, your, rip your ass to shreds. So, yeah, that, that was great. Uh, the finale is super satisfying and still like profoundly evil in its own way of, you know, our, our, I guess our hero, essentially the daughter being like taking, taking matters into her own hands. And it's, it, I, I always love when like a young girl is like, fuck all this men are stupid. You know, like I, I've always like enjoyed that kind of like use, use in plots uh, so uh, it was, yeah, it was like redemption, satisfying. It was cool. 
Yeah. And I, you know, ironically, the dogs, they eat his face. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Like that. Yeah. Like, how does it feel? You know, that kind of, that kind of thing, like that cinematic, what goes around comes around type thing, you know, karma's a bitch. And, you know, when he's like, I've done so much wrong to perform this miracle, you know, know? like, yeah, you, 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 this is not a miracle. You're, you're going to hell. Yeah. (laughs) You're, you're a monster who murdered a lot of people for surgery that didn't fucking work. Correct. So yeah, like the movie, it's sad. Like no one really wins, you know, there's no like winner technically or someone who walks away like, ah, just learned my lesson. You know, it's very much like, yeah, that was a very traumatizing thing all around. Uh, Anybody who's anybody who's involved. Yeah. It sucks. The movie goes on another 20 minutes. Like I'm pretty sure Christiane like jumps off a bridge. Correct. Yeah. She was like, I just had to like get that out of the way. Now I can, Go ahead and end things for myself. Yeah, that's kind of how that's how I see it. She was like, "I have to, I have to do this so they don't continue doing it to other people, and then I'll, I'll move on myself." That's kind of how I, you know, interpreted it. Yeah, vicious. Yeah, extremely. Not 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 a not a not a fun, uh, you know, fun movie. You know, like you said, we're recording this on uh, the sixth uh, on Tuesday night. I, I like to use Tuesday night as my my move, like. It's not a movie you just want to throw on on Tuesday night, you know, after you get off work and you're having dinner with the kids or something. You don't want to just throw on Eyes Without a Face. You, you probably want to wait till, you know, you can kind of marinate in it and, and let it let it kind of pour over you and think about it, read about it, and then move on with your life. Because, yeah, it's not just a random night thing. That's true. That's true. Here are two filmgasm facts for Eyes Without a Face. And both of these are fucking ridiculous. Um, Number one, during the original release of the film, an English film critic for The Spectator was nearly fired for writing it a positive review while the general critical reaction had been poor. One guy was like, I liked it. And they're like, the fuck you did. It's your job or you hated it. (laughs) Like, wow. (laughs) I would love I would love to be in the room for that. This guy's like, I actually actually thought it was pretty good. And they're like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) He's like, no, like it was entertaining. I'm not, I'm not gonna go out and do that kind of stuff. I just thought it was good. <laughs> That's uh, what some people, when it comes to horror, it's like if you praise it, that means that you're, you know, you're okaying these horrific scenes of like, you know, you have no problem man. with people getting their faces ripped off or murder or rape. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, if that were the case, that has to go, that has to be if that's a rule or if that's a thing, that has to go across every genre of movies. And so, like, Gladiator, like, no, I'm not cool with, like, people fighting for their lives. Like, I'm not cool with that. It's entertaining. It's fun watching Russell Crowe fuck some shit up, you know? Like, that's that that's fun for me. But do I endorse that kind of a lifestyle? Hell no, you know? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It's fucked up that horror is the only genre that has to deal with that. Correct. It really is. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's the way, like, old white people, the way they look at, like, horror is the way they look at rap. You know, they're like, mm. like it just has it's it's rough around the edges. And I, I'm just like, I don't want to I don't want to go into that, you know. But if they hear if they hear like an old rock song that they like talking about fucking, they're like, this is great. Like, well, what's the difference there? You know, you know what I mean? Like I hear songs at my work. I work at a grocery store and I'll hear songs that I'm like, this is about sex. If it were Snoop Dogg, people would be complaining. Yeah. You know, that's just how that's just how like people are. That's how like our society is. That's how they are with horror movies. That's how people, 
I can't stand talking to those people. You know, they're like disregard this genre as a whole. It's, it's stupid because because yeah, think about the way people act in some comedy movies. Like we should endorse that either. Then you know, yeah, it's it's weird, and I yeah I, I can't. I hope this guy wasn't fired. I but I, I bet you know if he did keep his job, he probably had to retract that review and say like actually I didn't like it. Correct. Yeah, he he had to adjust adjust his sentences to make him look negative instead of positive, which is which is really sad to think about because that review could have changed someone someone's mind about it. Or you know, reviews reviews can be if they're read enough, they can be pretty massive. Yeah, there might have been one guy in you know Stratford upon Avon who's like, I only watch films that are endorsed by this one specific critic at the Spectator. Yes. Yeah, the Spectator. I read it every Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, eyes without a face. I guess I won't be seeing that. <laughs> Correct. I'm gonna tell everybody to just not bother. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this next one, uh, the initial release of the film was met with negative reactions from film critics. One French critic stated the film was quote in a minor genre and quite unworthy of director Georges Franju's abilities. <laughs> Franju responded by saying that the film was his attempt to get the minor genre to be taken seriously. Mm. I like Franju. The more I read about him, the more I'm like, I like this guy. I like this Franju guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's, that's a cool, he seems witty. He seems quick with his, 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 uh, his remarks, his comebacks, you know, uh, I like him. Yeah. Well, you know, with his work preserving, uh, you know, pre-World War II French film and his desire to, use this film to like get horror more street cred i i like this guy like this guy knew what he wanted this guy knew what was important in his career and regrettably he didn't really do anything else of like as celebrated as eyes without a face but uh you know he he made this (laughs) yeah that's what i was just wondering i was like i mean he does a movie the next year spotlight on a murderer uh then he does a movie called therese and then Thomas the Imposter. I'm like, I- I'd watch him just out of curiosity. Yeah, if I had that criterion, I might check out that Slaughterhouse documentary. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, I give the film an eight. I think for the most part, still holds up. There are some remarkably disturbing visuals in this film, and I cannot imagine what audiences in 1960 were thinking. Yeah, I think an eight is fair. I think it could go up, you know, with multiple viewings. It's that kind of a movie. It's something I will definitely watch again. It's- it's got a really good pace to it. It's only an hour and a half and some iconic, creepy, freaky scenes. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with eyes without a face. You know, I'm definitely going to be telling people about it, telling my friends about it. Cause it, HBO max has that really cool movie library and put it to, you know, people should put it to use, you know? Yes. I, yeah, I try to do the same. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can send us a message there at any of our socials, or you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films, and all of our episodes of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate it. Next week sees the release of a brand new Jeepers Creepers film in the form of Jeepers Creepers Reborn, the first without convicted sex offender Victor Salva at the helm. So to celebrate this new arrival, we're going back to the franchise with 2003's Jeepers Creepers 2. 
which sees a stranded high school basketball team taking on the fearsome creeper in a cornfield. Uh, it's been a minute since I watched Jeepers Creepers 2, but I remember really enjoying it back in the day. And uh, Ray Wise of Twin Peaks is like the crazy farmer who's like, I'm going to fuck this thing up. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen those movies in so long. You know, I know you guys did the first one, obviously. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I remember being really, really into the first one, like. 2001 2002 so i can't remember what one of those yeah. I, I remember being like that was one of the first horror movies that i like saw and i was just like oh this is really really neat you know and even if it doesn't hold up totally you know like it's still fun to like have those the, like those like memories and those movies you can just kind of call back to so that'll be fine is that that's gonna be you and caleb i imagine probably yeah but there might be you know a guest star or two i'm gonna reach out to some people see if they want to nice very nice <laughs> Uh, don't miss the epic letdown, The Dark Tower on Fridays Beyond the Bad, and the 1982 horror masterpiece, Poltergeist, on Oscar Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God, I can't wait. Uh, 1982, uh, cool, cool year. So, uh, you know, Poltergeist is, uh, is obviously a, uh, another, another, like, horror movie that we all like at Filmgasm. It's just awesome. A lot of cool stuff to talk about with that one. Um was nominated so you know we get to bring it over to that show and uh we will be doing uh it'll be caleb connor and myself and we're gonna be doing a 1982 draft so it's gonna be it's gonna get gonna get dicey (laughs) it's it's gonna get it's gonna get intense over there because you know there's 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 a couple movies from 1982 that we're all gonna be going at each other's throats for and uh you know you not all of us can have the thing so someone's gonna get it and the other two are fucked you know that's the kind of that's the kind of draft we're going into. Nate, I'm going to try to get uh, brush up on some 1982 films, uh, some classics I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I probably will too. You know, we got a few days um, till till we record that, so I'll probably try to watch a couple at least 1982 movies. Um, it's nice to use the show as an excuse to like watch stuff from from a certain year and like gather gather more knowledge from that year and. Yeah. 82 is a year I like, but I know there's some, some heavy hitters, especially some foreign movies that I haven't seen yet that I, that I would like to check out. Sweet. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Until then, therapy and love always do a better job than serial murder and experimental surgery. Remember that and keep watching movies. Yeah.